0: Well, we're in week two of our new series, The Spirit. Um, Look at the world's religions. You know, as I, as I watch videos like this, I'm, I'm reminded that Christianity isn't the only religion um, in the world. Um, it's a big one. It, it's a big one, but it's not the only one. And as I, as I consider the world's religions, um, location-wise, right, where they were birthed, where they, where they started, um, there's something really different about Christianity, Something strangely different about Christianity. Islam started in Saudi Arabia and today, largely in the Middle East. It's moved to Indonesia and a couple places, but it's it's largely still in the Middle East. Um, Buddhism started in the East, still found in the East. Hinduism in India, centered still in India. Judaism started in ancient Israel, the Eastern Mediterranean. only dispersed under intense persecution and forced exile. Um, but even the Israelites, ancient Israelites, their whole goal is to come back to the motherland, come back to where everything started, ancient Israel. Um, but what about Christianity? Christianity didn't stay where it was birthed. It didn't stay where, you know, where, 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 where all the action was. It, it, it spread, and, and, and we know this. It spread clear around the world, first in the Mediterranean world, the Near East, the Middle East, then up into Europe, then the, the explorers took it to the Americas, Asia, Africa, Pacific Basin, all. It's worldwide now. And again, so, so what is so different about Christianity? How did it get worldwide while so many other religions largely, not completely, but largely remain locked where they were birthed? What, what, what is it about Christianity that made it so different? Um, First of all, I, my point of my message, I'm going to give you that answer this morning in case you're wondering. Um, first from the two-book set, Luke, Acts. We've been looking at that. Last week we looked at the two books, Luke, Acts, and we even gave it a different name just for the fun of it, Dear Theophilus, uh, Jesus and Two Acts, um, because it really is Luke telling the story of Jesus in person on earth, and then Luke telling the story of, of Jesus um, from heaven in the Spirit, right? It, it's the story of Jesus, all, both books, Luke and Acts. Um, so, we learn in this the, the first book which we 're going to call Luke, which the popular name it says this in luke chapter twenty four verse forty nine says i 'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you 've been clothed with power from on high and then from the book of Luke uh, that we were calling the continuing acts of Jesus Christ by his spirit through his apostles, we get that same message it 's kind of amplified now right it 's kind of like like Luke saying, hey, listen up, right? This is like the third or fourth time I've told you all this. So so if you have ears to hear, then then listen. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. This is Jesus speaking. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, just a little side note. little, little People get a little confused on this point. They're like, well, now wait a minute. What was I baptized with? Now, my guess is most of you were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But the thing is, at this point, you couldn't have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, right? Because the Holy Spirit hadn't been given yet. You only were baptized by water. You were baptized in the name of God, and, and, and you, were, you repented. You were washed clean, what was the idea. Um, but, but John the Baptist couldn't baptize with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet fully come yet because Jesus Christ had not yet ascended and been glorified, at which point he could send the Holy Spirit, right? So you just baptized with water. And as we watch in the video, though... They would eventually get baptized with the Holy Spirit when the gift of the Holy Spirit was given. So, let me keep reading. In verse 6 and 7, chapter act, 1 of Acts. Then they gathered around him and asked him, like they still didn't understand what was going on. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? <laughs> and he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. It's like my, my wife taught me this, this lesson. She said she worked with a lot of with little kids in her career. I worked with teenagers. It <laughs> actually works with both groups. Um, whenever you have a group of kids and they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing, it's, it's, it's a bad strategy to say, that's bad, don't do that, right? That, just, you're just going to get a fight. But Diane said, you know, all you've got to do is distract their attention, show them something over here, right? And they'll see this and they'll, they'll, their attention will turn. Kids are like that. See, we're all, we're all like that, Right? And in this passage, without the illumination provided by the Holy Spirit, the disciples, they just didn't understand the nature of this kingdom that Jesus had been talking about and was trying to represent to them. They were still power, you know, the, 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 the kingdoms of this world. That's why they, they were still operating by that. When, were, when are we going to have power? When are we going to be at your right hand? When are we going to be able to tell people what to do and what not to do, right? They were kind of excited about this whole thing. Oh, power, power. And again, Jesus masterfully turns their attention from what they really didn't need to be thinking about, what they did not need to be looking at, and he, and he turns their attention to what they really, really needed to be focusing on that they kept missing. They kept missing this. This is uh, verse 8. It says, but, and this is uh, check this out, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we, we understand this idea, right? That The Holy Spirit enables our ministry and our, our passions and, and so forth and, and, and empowers us to be bold in our, in our witnesses. The same as, as back in the day, right? He enabled the, the disciples and the apostles to do ministry and, he, and the Holy Spirit empowered them and made them bold in their, in their witness and, and wherever they went. Um, but here's the big question for this morning. Would the powerfully persuasive but uncoercive love of the Holy Spirit be enough to get the disciples to look outward finally? They were all They were like so many churches in our world, totally focused on themselves. They're all only about us. And outsiders, yeah, not so much. Right? It's all about the inside. It's all about being Jewish. The Gentiles, strangers, aliens, blah, Whatever. But would it be enough to get the 12 disciples to take that last line seriously, to the ends of the earth? Like, I think they were okay with Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. But the ends of the earth, that's where, like, you know, Gentiles live. And you know, the Jewish prayer every day at the beginning of the day is, thank God I'm not a Gentile, and I'll add this other part, and you're going to be mad, and thank God I'm not a woman. But that was back in the day, so, okay, all right. But that was the Jewish prayer. It's kind of crazy. Would this new sect of Judaism reject their calling just as the nation of Israel had done? See, God had called the nation of Israel to bless the entire world, and they thought, oh, we're enjoying these blessings. Let's give it to ourselves, and they never shared. It's like your two-year-old. They never share, right? My ah, mine, 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 mine. That's kind of where they were at. Consider the baptisms of the Ethiopian eunuch and Cornelius, Right? the Ethiopian eunuch you know you read the story in chapter 9 10 11 somewhere in there um, and it required a special revelation to get paul or excuse me to get philip moving down that road to gaza right so he could run into that Ethiopian eunuch right a special revelation I mean, the, the, the orders had already been given go to the ends of the earth and they all they all hung around jerusalem no you go no no it's safe here it's safe we, we want to stay here and then, and then the Ethiopian, or excuse me, Cornelius's household, um, Peter had to have three visions, three visions, just to even go to the guy's house and then eat with him. I mean. <sighs> In Luke's gospel, we see Jesus knocking down these barriers all over the place. You know, the Jewish myopias and their their prejudices and their boundaries and all all that, that tightly wound thing about their culture and his daily interactions, right? He was constantly meeting up with Gentiles and outsiders. And instead of them making him unclean, he made them clean. And so he kept doing that. But the question, the question, the huge question of Acts is, would the people of Jesus, the body of Christ, would they do the same thing as Jesus had done or would they fall back on themselves and it would remain a, that exclusive Jewish club, right? Even though God gave the orders at the beginning, the way back in Genesis chapter 9, spread across the globe, right? And all the, we're all the way thousands of years later and they're still not getting it. They're still not getting it. They don't understand were these baptisms and these other instances like one-offs? Were they like, um, was it uh, the exception that proves the rule? Right? We're going to stay Jewish. We're going to stay. Occasionally, we'll go do something special on a field trip. But hey, let's focus on ourselves. Right? That was, that was their, their deal. So apparently, the 12 showed such incredible hesitation that the Lord of the church decided to appoint a 13th apostle. Right? By special revelation, special um, miracle on the road to Damascus, he gets a special calling. And, and he also has an authority separate from the 12 very, 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 very... Now, now, Paul was very, very Jewish. We know that as Saul. He was very, very Jewish. But somehow he got it. He understood the message was supposed to go global. Where the other 12 disciples, they... they Uh, They just didn't get it. It wasn't making sense to them. They'd had such a long history of, no, you don't, that's all unclean. And it was so embedded in their culture and in their their psyche that you don't touch outsiders. You don't talk to them. You don't look at them. They're unclean. But Paul, he he just got it. I I don't know how he got it, but he got it. This chosen vessel, what he called himself, um, broke through all the old prejudice and founded a whole bunch of Gentile churches. Um, the other key, though, to the internationalization of Christianity was Pentecost. So we got Paul and Pentecost. None of those other world religions had a Paul or a Pentecost experience. So we're going to talk about Paul in another series someday, maybe. That's the second half of Acts, and you all know that this whole series is only on the first half of Acts. You all know that, right? Good, 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 good. Um, but no other world religion had a Paul or a Pentecostal experience. Now, last week, we talked a little bit about the Christian Church and Pentecost. We in the Christian Church we count Pentecost as 50 days after um, Easter, right? But but the idea of Pentecost was much much older. It was it was very much an old Jewish holiday that kind of gets co-opted by the Christian Church, right? Um, there were three times in Jewish the Jewish year in which all Jews were supposed to go to Jerusalem. There were three big festivals, right? And in the fall was was one of them. Was called Sukkot. Festival of Tabernacles, and, or the booths and tents. And they celebrated the wanderness, the wilderness wandering, the 40 years that they wandered in the wilderness. Uh, they they kind of look back on that and, and realize that that's where God formed them into a nation. And, and all these amazing things happened during that 40 years. And, and then they entered the Promised Land. Um, and it immediately followed Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year, and then Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. So these three holidays were kind of grouped together a couple weeks apart. And what would happen is a lot of people, a lot of Jews from all around the world, Since they had to be in town for that holiday, they would come in and they would stay for the entire fall calendar of festivals, right? Sukkot, Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur, and then they would go back to wherever you know weeks and travel, go back home, but they would stay during that that time. Um, And then the other two were in the in the spring. This this one was in the fall. Sukkot. And then the other two were in the spring, uh, Pesach and Shavuot. hope I'm saying those correctly. Um, Pesach is the, the, the Feast of Passover, right? And, and then the Shavuot is celebrated two things, really. It was a harvest festival, originally the festival of first fruits. Um, but then in the intertestimonial period between the, 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 the Old Testament and the writing of the New Testament, it, it came to celebrate a, a, an additional thing, the giving of the Ten Commandments, which at some point they figured must have happened about 50 days after Passover, you know, after the Exodus, Mount Sinai, maybe 50 days, and and just what the rabbis figured out. And so they they, they celebrate the, the, um, Shavuot not only as a harvest festival but as as the giving of the law. And you remember the giving of the law was on concrete on stone tablets, right? Stone tablets. Kind of kind of keep that in the back of your mind. Um, but again, in the spring, same ideas in the fall these two holidays were seven weeks apart the idea they would come into town and like would they will go all the way back home and then you know several weeks later they got to come back again so they would just stay in town a lot of them had rented apartments and villas and and so forth in the city that they would stay in so what we have is like we have just this huge crowd for Passover and the crowd and it got even bigger seven weeks later for Shavuot so when we read in chapter two, verse one, it says this: When the day of Pentecost had come, and if your old King James versions and maybe your Revised Standard Version, when the day had fully come, and this idea is 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 when this is actually kind of a, a three day kind of thing, um, the lamb is slain on the fourteenth day. There's a there's a big celebration on the fifteenth, and and on the sixteenth they, they count the fifty days um, to the, the the festival of weeks. It was called um, Shavuot because um, it was a week of weeks. Right? 49 days, 50 days. Um, so when the day at Pentecost had come, he, Luke wants us to see three things, all kind of all at once. First thing he, he wants us to see is there are going to be a ton of people in town. And this is important. This is super important. Why is it so important? You're going to find out in just a moment. Huge crowd. Huge crowd in town. Second thing he wants us to remember is that what's going to happen at this year's Pentecost is somehow connected to a harvest. Right? It's the... First Fruits Festival, it's a, it's a harvest festival. And Christ had been talking about going out into the fields, right? And the harvest. So, so we got this kind of ju- juxtaposition going on here. And the third thing I think Luke's trying to say is what was going to happen at this year's Pentecost celebration was going to be somehow connected to the law that was written on stone tablets. Somehow, somehow, Luke's saying, hey, pay attention to these three things. Now watch what happens. Luke's going to draw us back to the ancient prophecies. This is in Jeremiah chapter 31. It says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and the people of Judah, Those are the, the, the nations, the, the United Nations that are now broken into two. Israel gets carried away and, and Judah is left and, and basically... Luke's saying, everybody's going to be in on this. Even the the ten lost tribes, they're going to be in on everybody. This is going to be worldwide. Verse 32, it will not be like the covenant I made with your ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. Right, the Ten Commandments. And then verse 33, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel at that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, right? So in their minds already, as, as this, this day is unfolding, it's a Pentecost celebration, a Pentecost giving of the law in their minds, they, they, they know about the stone tablets, they know about the Jeremiah prophecy that somehow what was written on stone is going to be written on their heart. I mean, all these ideas are flying around in their head, right? Okay. But again, would anybody be able to make the connection? Would anybody be able to make the connection? Take that next, incredibly scary, counterintuitive, out of my comfort zone, step into Gentile territory, the ends of the earth. Right? Would people make the connection that Jeremiah was trying to make here? Luke was trying to connect in their minds. Um, again, it seems so obvious to us now—hindsight, 2020 vision, right? But um, the connection would have to be pretty spectacular. Right? Whatever God had to say about this new thing that He was doing, it couldn't be a quiet little thing. Right? It had to be loud, had to be spectacular. Everybody had to see it this time. Because last time only the Jews heard it and the Jews kept it to themselves. This time I think the Holy Spirit's like, you know what? I'm going to let everybody in on this one from the beginning, the very beginning. So. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house that they were sitting, where they were sitting. Three things very quickly. It was only a sound. I, I, in my mind, I always thought, you know, I saw a wind blowing around, but there was only a sound. It's almost like I've never been in the situation, but I, I've seen it on the news stations. Um, a tornado flies through town, and you're in your bunker, you're in your basement, and they always they always say it's, there's, there's no movement in the basement, but outside it sounds like a freight train going over the top of the house, right? That's what it must have been. It's just a quiet room, and suddenly there's just this insane sound, but there's no movement. There's no wind it's just the sound of a storm this huge huge storm and it's from heaven luke makes a very big point of that this isn't just a Socorro, a hot desert wind blowing in off you know this is something different this is something really 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 special and it filled the entire house now recognize they're not just 12 disciples sometimes you see pictures on the internet and there's 12 guys and 12 little flames right in, in 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 chapter 1 verse 15 peter tells us that there's about 120 people that have gathered so this, this is probably a bigger house, maybe a courtyard that has a lot of room and maybe going out into the street, a couple um, archways that go out into the street. So it was a big, big household, about 120 people, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more. So this is going on. It, it, it's a bigger, bigger thing. Now, again, throughout the Old Testament, the wind or the breath of God represented the presence or activity of the Holy Spirit, right? The wind or the breath of God. In Genesis 1, the Spirit of God breathes over the chaos and, and order replaces chaos. Just by the breath of God, he breathes into existence what didn't exist before. A favorite passage from Ezekiel, the prophet would have immediately come to mind as the people were all sitting around hearing all this and, and listening to this. This is Ezekiel chapter 37. Listen to this. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in a valley, in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. And he asked me, son of man, you're not going to see this up there, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, I don't don't know, only you know, right? And so the Lord told Ezekiel, prophesy to these dry bones, prophesy that the wind will blow into them. And he he does. Pick it it back up in verse 7. It says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. No breath in them. Verse 9. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breathe for the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Now here's the kicker right here, verses 11 and 12. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, the people of Israel... That our bones are dried up and our hope is gone and and we're cut off. You You ever feel that way? Right? Your work life, your home life, your study life, everything is just chaos. Just... Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open up your graves and I'm going to bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open up your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. So we have the first part, part one of the what I, I'm just going to call the, the Pentecost trifecta. God getting their attention by any means necessary, right? This crazy wind. And then, they, 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 then the passage continues in, in verse 23, a well-known, second well-known manifestation of God. Acts 2, verse 3. Um, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And again, throughout the Old Testament, fire always represents the presence and purity of God, right? Um, the burning bush on Mount Sinai, right? It was not only there was sound, but there was, there was fire. It was a, a fire that didn't consume, like the, the presence of God of God. The purity. In fact, the purity idea is like, take off your sandals, you're standing on holy ground. right? The presence and purity of God. And even Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, whose unclean lips, remember chapter 6, woe is me, an unclean person from an unclean people. And so, uh, God's seraphim comes and puts a burning coal to his lips and and purifies him. Now, it sounds pretty freaky, like don't put a burning coal on my lips because I don't think it's, mm-hmm. what's going to come out is going to be pure. It's going to be pretty ugly noise. Um, but something weird happened there. And then then, then then, here's what happened next. Verse 4. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Again, lots of discussion and debate about what, what happened. What exactly happened that day was it a miracle of speaking or was it a miracle of hearing? Were they actual known languages? A lot of folks say, no, those were prayer, heavenly languages. A lot, a lot of writers claim that Luke assumed that what he called known languages, they say he made a mistake, that they were just babbling in, in, a, in a heaven language. Babbling's is a bad word to use. Um, speaking in a heaven language, something like that. Um, um, the related question, of course, is what happened on Pentecost is the same thing that happened in Corinthians, right? And and I kind of something that I picked up, I don't know when I picked this up. Um, Whenever you have two passages in God's word that are on the same topic, if you have one passage that has a really good explanation and the other one doesn't, allow this one to inform this one. Don't go the other way. Don't take a passage that has very little information and force it into a passage that has a lot of information because you're going to get a really, really weird interpretations, right? So we, we believe that what happened on that Pentecost Sunday was, well, what, what the Scripture actually says. Here, here's what it says. It says, Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Again, not every single nation. It's just like they were from everywhere. Uses the phrase there. When they heard this sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Verse 7 and 8, utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these all Galileans? It was like a hillbilly people, something like that. Then how is it that each one of us hears them in our native language? In chapter 11 of Genesis, God told the people to spread across the face of the globe. I kind of mentioned this earlier, but they didn't trust God, right? They were afraid. They thought, well, let's build a city and then we'll be safe and we'll build walls around it and it'll be really high and they'll reach heaven and, and you know, Going out into that scary land, no, 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 let's not do that. So God's like, no, no, man, I told you. So, so, he, so he forces the, the issue. He confuses their language, right? Sends them all out. And on the day of Pentecost, God removes that confusion. He removes that confusion. That was just simply amazing. Listen to this. This is verse 9 and 10. Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and... Phrygia and and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, uh, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans from the island of Crete, and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? This is crazy. This is crazy. Here's what it meant. That insider Jews, right, the insiders... Yeah, you know, you all know who the insiders are, the, the people that have. They're not the people that don't have. They're the people that have, the insiders. What it meant was that insider Jews spoke and heard the gospel in outsider language. It was like God saying, look, I've been trying to get you to bless the world for so long now. For so, so long. Um, I'm going to go around you. <laughs> I'm going to kind of have to go around you now. And so what happens? We have all these thousands and thousands and thousands of people in Jerusalem, and they're from all over the known world at that time, all in Jerusalem for one reason, right? They had to be in Jerusalem for those festivals. And what do you think happened after this week happened? They all went back home, and we all think that Paul spread Christianity. The fact of the matter is... These are the people that did a lot of the work, right? When Paul began his missionary journeys, he probably ran into tons of these people who heard and decided this isn't a Jewish thing anymore. This is worldwide. This is for all of us. And so they spread the med. They all went home saying these same things. We heard them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. I guess that exclusive thing for the Jews isn't so exclusive after all. We get a piece of it. And they were amazed. What does this mean? That's what that means. It took a miracle of language to get them to leave the church, to go into the neighborhood, to go into the city and find out what was going on with the rest of the world that wasn't so blessed as we've been. So three ordinary everyday things in spectacular. Spectacular, otherworldly ways, right? We all know about wind and fire and tongues, but not like that. <laughs> not like that. Just that there had been supernatural wind and fire and voices on Mount Sinai when the law was written on stone tablets. Now again, wind and fire and voices, and the laws can be written on our hearts, right? Written in our minds. So back to our original question. Can the people of Jesus, the body of Christ, do the same thing that he did? Can we do the same things? We're the body of Christ, we found out last week. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit, we found out last week. We found out that when he ascended, he's still calling the shots from his heavenly spot. He's not just sitting up there waiting for us to arrive. Nah, man, he's still calling the shots. We can do this task. There's a lot of people in this city who are hurting and broken, And we can do something about that. We can be the wind, the fire, and we can be those tongues that carry that message that people are loved. They're not hated. That's what they think. God's all mad at them, and He's not. He desperately wants to reconnect with them so badly, He wants to re- that He sent His Son to die so that they could reconnect. It's because people who are feeling guilty, they don't want to be hanging around God. I'll tell you that right now. When I did something dumb, I didn't want to be around my dad. Yeah, you know that. When you're feeling, I don't know, dirty, when you're feeling like not worth much, it's like you don't want to go stand before God. But he says, I'll take you like you are. I I know how beat up you are. I know it wasn't, well, I know it was part of your fault, but I I know there were other circumstances. I understand. I know where you're at. I know why you're broken. Don't run from me any longer. Stop running. So the Acts, it's the only book, we talked about this last week, the only book without an ending. We're still writing the ending. We're writing one of the endings there's endings being written all over the globe. But here in Richland, Washington, we're writing one of the endings. That's our task. That's what God called us to do. We don't want him to come and do something crazy on us if we don't, if we don't obey, right? It's like, okay, 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 okay. We got it, we got it. We'll listen. We, we, we understand. Bow your head. Father God, thank you so much for what happened in Acts. Just, just the craziest thing. Um, but what it meant was incredible, Father, that it wasn't exclusive. It, your love was for everyone. And so, Father, for any of us who are thinking that we're all that and that we've got it all figured out and that we're better than anybody else, this this story screams at that attitude. Stop it. Just stop it. Nobody's unworthy nobody is unworthy period of my love so father help us help us share your love help us to do loving things um, to make people surprised in a world where people don't do loving things very often and when they do everyone sits up and goes wow that's so crazy father help us to be crazy in love with people with this city because if that happens then the stories the stories are just going to start multiplying the stories are just going to be all over the place so Father we look forward to that and by the power of your spirit you've given us our call our commission you've redeemed us you fixed us and each week you fix us a little bit more and then you put your Holy Spirit in us and give us a life that's full, even in the midst of craziness, a a life full of gratitude, uh, of the things that we do have and that we do need to be grateful for. Blessings from you, Father, that our neighbors would sure like a little of. Help us share, Father. Help us share your love, your blessings. your Son's holy name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much.